We're joined in this half hour by Sangamon County Public Health Director Gail O'Neill. Gail, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it, and uh, good morning to you. Uh, first thing, uh, first thing to ask about: What is the latest in the county on coronavirus? Well, the latest is that we have spread of the coronavirus kind of all through our community. Um, we had some numbers that were a little alarming last week, but that was due to a data glitch. Um, but we still are seeing, you know, in the twenties every day for. Um, positive test results, and it's a little too much. How did that uh, data glitch with IDPH Friday impact Sangamon County numbers? Well, we um, <laughs> we had a couple days, nearly 60 um, positives. Actually, it was really close to 60, and we really, they were still our, our people that had tested positive, but they kind of got backed up in the computer system. Mm-hmm. The state, um, the people who had tests got called by the, the laboratories, but the laboratory reporting system that provides that information to the health departments was backed up. Um, and they found that out at the state level. It really took only about a day and a half to fix the glitch. But then over, as they started coming in, we just had bigger batches. Because One day we had 50 and the next we had three <laughs> for, for four days there. So that was a little um, balanced out. It's, it's close to what we have been seeing. So it was just a little bit of a... Um, I think I think Friday's uh, uh, state numbers. <laughs> it was like, was yeah, 5, like six thousand yeah. positives. <laughs> yes. Well, we've only yeah. gotten like thirteen hundred, and they uh, they announced that there were like a hundred and sixty thousand tests performed, which is like three times what a daily number is. Um, That's right. So yeah, they they were able to get that uh, that backlog internally at uh, the Department of Public Health uh, to to get that uh, situated and uh, somewhat. Yeah, they did it relatively fastly. Yes, and you know, just two days, it was all caught up <laughs> yeah right i mean well the, the, it's important though that they uh, get that caught up fast because the numbers are, you know people are relying on that and a lot of the numbers have been used to for people by people to make decisions on whether or not they're going to go out and about in the community so when you see a high spike like that yeah i can see where people would you know not want to go out in the community or anything you know so it's good that they got All that right. fixed right away yeah, for yes, sure. absolutely. Listen, we had no citations over the weekend, Labor Day weekend, and, and from what I understand, there were only 10 spot checks done, and that was mostly because of uh, um, complaints. They were complaint-driven, number one, and number two, uh, according to this article, they were uh, there was uh, issues with overtime, you know, with the Labor Day weekend and, and paying people, and of course, we have to be budget conscious with what's going on, you know, as far as our economy goes. But will we see more spot checks when it comes to businesses complying with the COVID-19 regulations? Oh, we yeah, we do that all all week long. Um, people will send us, you know, concerns that they have, or if we've been some places and are concerned ourselves, we follow up. Um, we've tried to take an approach, and and the business community is doing really a lot better than originally of knowing the seriousness of this and um, working to keep keep their businesses open by making sure that their staff are masked. I think a lot of businesses had a initial scare with having an employee or two that test positive and found out what happens when it kind of throws your whole business into a ray trying to figure out who's close contacts and can you stay open. So I think the businesses saw that it was a, it's a serious thing. It's much more difficult to try to get the public to wear masks, but we appreciate everybody's efforts in doing that. Is, is there, I apologize, Chris, um, is there a, um, uh, any pushback that you're getting from businesses here in Sangamon County that are saying, you know what, uh, there, there's not an emergency, you know, you have to prove that I am, you know, my business is, is has infections or whatever. Is there, have you had any pushback? Oh, we have. Um, nobody likes to be told what to do, especially something that's not really popular like this. And people um, are upset if, you know, maybe only one of their employees is not wearing the mask properly under the chin or under the nose. And, you know, they get 
told about it. Um, you know, nobody likes conflict. It takes extra people to do this too. It's not like, you know, the restaurants are always in the, the um, businesses are already kind of strapped with doing occupancy levels, and then they're going to have to keep on another staff person or two to try to help manage this um, the COVID spread. And what we are hoping and asking them to do is helping to uh, make sure people are masked and not not in groups as best they can. Sangamon County Public Health Director Gail O'Neill is with us on WMAY 92.7, 94.7, and 970 AM. Gail, what are the latest sites for testing around the county? Um, the um, SIU School of Medicine that had a um, testing site in our parking lot has moved to the Abundant Faith Church off Taylor Avenue. Uh, as the days are getting cooler and the uh, it'll start getting darker sooner, they have a, a bigger permanent awning there and some um, capacity so they've moved to that facility. Um, the state of Illinois is still staffing a um, testing site on the fairgrounds on Wednesdays um, from 9 to 5. And the uh, Springfield Clinics um, Center, the respiratory center that they staffed up on 6th Street is still in operation. A lot of doctor's offices can order tests on so the hospitals can do testing. There's a lot more opportunities for testing. Um, but the ones with really no symptoms and, and that will see children, oh, Walgreens is still there, but they don't um, see children, is the SIU site and the um, IDPH site. Kind of leads me to my next question. Who are the people, once again, that should be tested and when should they test? People that should be tested are anybody who believes they've been in close contact with someone or they've, um, who's positive, if they've done some kind of um, suddenly realized they were in a group, that, you know, was unmasked with people that were not in their family, in their immediate household, actually. And then they need to wait four days, three or four days, and we're going with four as being enough time for your body to um, recognize the virus and have a good, accurate test. So, I mean, if you're constantly exposed, potentially, then, you know, a test at any point, if you're starting to be symptomatic, would be a good idea. But if you've just had a concern about an incident or an event, um, you've... Um, wait four days after that event. Question on testing. Uh, Chris, you experienced this uh, recently. Um, You had to get two tests. I did. Um, And I haven't independently confirmed this, but WJOL out of Will County, uh, the headline there is uh, Joliet Chamber of Commerce dived deep into COVID numbers in Will County and found double counting, meaning that, you know, instead of counting person tested, they were counting tests conducted. Not right. distinguishing whether or not you know one person like Chris got took two tests within a span of like three three yeah. days or something, <laughs> five right? Days, yeah. Five days. Um, so and you know there are others I'm sure who have tested uh, multiple times, either getting a positive the first time, then wanting the test to find out if indeed that's true, and so on. How is that handled here locally? Do we double count, and um, uh, what's what's the problem with double counting? Well, we we have worked since the beginning to not double count. I mean, we've actually been counting by person, and we have a uh, statistician from SIU School of Medicine who helps us with that. (laughs) She knows how to do all that, and a lot of people test more than once, especially when we get into the long-term care facilities that are having a little outbreak. There could be five or six tests on the same person in an episode, so it it is difficult, Um, but we believe that our test, that's why occasionally you'll see there were six cases that were no longer included because we found that they were in another location or we were cleaning up our numbers to do that because we have counted um, people by 
the test by person, not by the number of tests. And so that could be where some of the testing um, gets duplicated at the state level for a little while. And I think that's why they say the preliminary numbers, they give us a good idea. But when we put our numbers out each day, we believe that it's per person. Gotcha. Uh, and hospitalizations, how are we looking there as far as uh, uh, capacity for Sangamon County? And um, do we have enough capacity to, you know, if we got flu season coming up and uh, uh, who knows what else? Right. The hospitals are a little bit busier with COVID than they were um, early on, with especially with the spike. But we uh, are assured that there's plenty of capacity to take care of. I think there's over the state regulations look at or the state metrics look at a 20 percent level as being concerning. We're, we're over thir- between 30 and 40 percent um, ability to put someone in the hospital if you need to. And um, the capacity there is there for us at this time. Our hospitalizations in the last few weeks has been a little higher. For a long time, we had five or six people. Now we're seeing um, 19, 20 people in hospitalized. And um, people are in the hospital a little longer, it seems, that their treatment's a little longer just from looking at the numbers. And they're, they're having positive outcomes for the most part. So that's really good. So you're in the hospital, but you do get to come out most of the time. Sangamon County Public Health Director Gail O'Neill is with us on WMAY at 92.7, 94.7, and 970 AM. Gail, we had a, a, a case at uh, Glenwood Middle School, I believe, as far as, as, far as the numbers yesterday go. Um, is, is we yet to have any outbreaks, so the schools that are doing hybrid learning. Is there still any concern about the schools that are doing hybrid learning and how they are working with the health department to control the coronavirus? Well, we've had... Um Pretty much a lot of the schools have had experience with someone who's, who's tested positive, but it's not related to spread in the school. You know, there's something that's an extracurricular activity or, or someplace else. The, um, the place the person works or goes to school is, you know, like the Glenwood one you were talking about. We do have concerns, but we have not had any outbreaks due to that. I think all the schools that are, are doing, you know, in-person learning are working really hard to make sure that, you know, they do the best they can with screening. And the parents are participating with making sure they're not sending kids to school that aren't feeling well. And it's a difficult time because there's people with allergies, people with other illnesses. So if it's a one symptom and you go home, it's very common to have a headache or some sinus infections or, you know, a stomachache, those kind of things. That It's hard to um, discern which is potentially COVID and which is just kind of one of the one of the illnesses that go along with childhood. Yeah, or, or adulthood in that matter. I can right. speak for that firsthand. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, 6.50 now at WMAY. Uh, Gail, I remember once upon a time we used to do seasonal flu shots. <laughs> do we still have those? What's going on? What's the latest with seasonal flu shots that people can Yes, we're, we're gearing up for seasonal flu shots, and they're important this year. We don't. Um, it seems that we want to make sure that we don't get the flu and deal with COVID at the same time. Flu shots will be probably be done differently for us um, than in the past. We're trying to make sure we avoid crowds and make it convenient. So we will be doing flu shots um, in a drive-up manner, kind of like the COVID testing. Um, it shouldn't take twice as um, shouldn't take as long to do that to get an injection as it would have your nose blocked. Yeah. But um, starting at the end of September, um, I think the last week of September, we're going to staff up our parking lot. Um, which is part of the idea to move the SIU clinic as well. So we have plenty of capacity for um, flu shots being done in a drive through manner. We don't want people, you know, standing in lines close together waiting for tests. And this way they can do it in the car and fill out paperwork, and it'll um, be much more convenient for them, and it'll keep the um, risk of exposure to a minimum. 
Absolutely. And finally, Gail, are you concerned, you know, with CWLP announcing that they're doing cutoffs uh, uh, and, and begging people that are behind to, to, to get some kind of payment plan so they don't have to cut them off? Are you concerned that cutting off utilities could enhance the spread of the coronavirus or even other viruses? Well, it's, it's concerning because there's, you know, just other illnesses and it's another hardship for people to go through. I mean, I understand the, the business part of it as well. Um, I think it's it's the time for us to look and see where there's a, some other financial resources in our communities that may be available um, and to kind of promote that a little bit. But, it, yeah, how long can this go on without payment? Plus, you know, we don't want to see people in the heat of summer, you know, not have the, the cooling air and, and the electricity. But then with winter coming, it is a concern. Yep, definitely. Listen, Gail, thank you so much for your time. As always, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Be careful. Hey, thanks. We sure will.